Back in 2001, uh, the, no, it was 2002, uh, the year after 2001. There you go. You know, uh, it's all starting to run together. Uh, it's one big file in my head, and I pull it open, and you just never know what's going to fall out. Uh, but in 2002, I was invited to go as a part of a group from the Virginia Annual Conference to Mozambique uh, on the eastern coast of uh, Africa. And we were going to be part of building a school, but in all honesty, what we were really going to be doing is building connections and a sense of relationship with the people that were there. because. Uh, one of the ways that we were adding to the local economy is we were hiring local artisans to actually build the school. Uh, as opposed to having people come in from the outside, we were able to provide uh, the bricks, and then the folks came in who did the building of this one-room school. And I remember when I went to this little village um, in Mozambique called Tinga Tinga, don't try looking it up on your map because I do not believe you will find it on the map of uh, Mozambique. Uh, but it's a small, uh, it's a small place, uh, a village of beautiful huts and beautiful people. Um, and the nearest school for them was a 10-kilometer walk, three miles um, each way uh, for the children who were going to school. And so for the first time, they were going to have a school in town. And not only was there going to be a school for the children, but at night they were going to teach adult classes in this one-room schoolhouse. Now I talk about that because when I look at a one-room schoolhouse, that's like ancient, quaint, western frontier kind of talk about a one-room schoolhouse. Um, it's not really that old. Uh, there were plenty of one-room schoolhouses up until the mid-1900s um, here in the country. But I, I say that because of the different ways we perceive that reality. Every school I've ever gone to personally uh, to be educated in was a multi-room, multi-teacher, multi-student experience. And it was big, and it was bold, and it was abundant. But if you didn't have a school, and there were a school in town now, that is abundance. Now, at the end of our time, the week that we were there with the folks of Tinga Tinga, they did let us do some basic work. Essentially, at the end of a long stick, there was um, the stump of a tree attached, and we could go around and we worked on the foundation. So we pounded the foundation by lifting up uh, and pounding and pounding and pounding. We got to do that. Uh, it didn't require a lot of skill, I can tell you uh, right now. So I'm quite capable of pounding the ground. I could even do it with my foot, but they didn't want me to do it with my foot with this stick. At the end of that week, the folks in Tinga Tinga had a big meal for us. And we had um, uh, delicious cassava root uh, that was um, 
carefully made into this flavorful bread-like substance, and then we had a chicken stew. And they had killed one of the few chickens in the village and made chicken stew for us. And then they gave each one of us a handmade basket that had been woven in the village of Tinka Tinka that I still have. And you see, for them, they gave us abundantly. Cassava and chicken stew. It was a powerful experience of what abundance looks like. I can still remember, though, going to a few Thanksgiving meals in my life at other people's houses, and if there was some dish that I was used to at Thanksgiving time that wasn't on the plate, it, it wasn't on the table, then somehow my meal was lacking. It wasn't abundant enough. Do you see how we can see things based on our own pre-assumptions about things in the world? Do you know that in the United States we throw away 80 billion pounds of food a year? That is 219 pounds a person. Roughly the equivalent of 650 average size apples. Every year we throw away food. And yet if you listen, there's not enough food to go around in the world. There's not enough food to go around in the world because we look at it from a perspective of scarcity, which is a myth. There's a plenty for everyone, but not if some of us hog it all. Not if some of us hog it all. We live in a world of abundance, a world where there's enough. But we have to be willing to see that what we have is enough. Not that we need more. There's a powerful story. It is the only miracle story that appears in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have a version of this story, often known as the feeding of the 5,000. I'm going to share the Luke version. Not because it's better or worse uh, than any of the other versions. They're all different. They each add a little flavor to it. Uh, the flavor that fits most with the way they want to tell the story. It's just like any storyteller. You get three storytellers around the table telling stories about the same event. And it doesn't even sound like you're talking about the same thing sometimes. But they saw it from different perspectives. This is from the Gospel of Luke. It's in chapter 9. And it begins with verse 12. The day was drawing to a close, and the 12 came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and get provisions, for we are here in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there are about 5,000 men. Uh, let me just give you a footnote. 5,000 men plus women and children. So there were, uh, there were more, more than 10,000 people there probably, 10 to 13,000 people, a lot. Jesus said to the disciples, 
make them sit down in groups of about 50. They did so and made them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and blessed and broke them and gave them to disciples to set before the crowd. And all ate and were filled. What was left over was gathered up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. The leftovers, 12 baskets of broken pieces after starting with five loaves and two fish. Now, I will just tell you, I don't have the superpower that on a Sunday morning, if you came, I could take this bread and if there were 10,000 people here, break it in, at least I don't think I have that superpower. I mean, you know, God can always surprise us. I don't know if I could make enough to have 12 baskets left over. But the, what the disciples saw as a little, five loaves and two fish, Jesus saw as enough, and the crowd received as abundance. So much abundance that it was with leftovers, with leftovers. Now, that's all a way of saying in my mind that this idea of abundance is, I won't say that it's all in our mind, but it is in the way we look at things. It's our perception. If there's something I don't have, and by the way, if you watch television or listen to the radio or ever or on the internet in any way, you're always told you don't have enough of something. Uh, you don't have enough computer speed. You don't have a new enough phone. You don't have a fast enough internet connection. You don't have new enough clothes. Those are last year's fashion. What are you doing with those things? You need this year's fashion. You know, and there's always the message we're receiving that there's not enough, that I don't have enough. And they play on that part of me that believes somewhere deep inside that I need more, that I need more power and control over my life that I need more approval and pleasure, that I need more endorsements and other people thinking I'm good enough, that I need more security, you know, because the more stuff I have, the more I need to protect it. That was something else that was noticeable in Tinga Tinga. There were no doors on the houses, because everything was shared in the community. I have a door on my house, and it has a deadbolt lock, and I like to check it and double-check it before I go to bed at night, because God knows somebody could try to break in and take way more stuff than I have. Quite frankly, if I were asleep and they took half of the things that are in my house, I'm not even sure I would notice they were gone. Now, if they woke me up, I might notice someone was taking it. I mean, do you ever have that kind of thing happen where somebody comes into your house and they move something? Not a thief or a burglar or a robber of any kind, but someone moves something. You don't even notice that you didn't have it. Until six months from now, you're like, didn't I have a cup 
that had an image on it? Yeah, but we got rid of that because I dropped it and it broke. Don't you remember that day? And we mourned the cup and now it's gone? But we have so much stuff we don't know what to do with what we have. So it's hard for us to have gratitude for what we have because we don't think it's enough. We don't recognize the abundance that we have. You know, recently I've come to recognize another kind of abundance I have. I have an abundance of love in my life. It is just all around me. There's you, but there's my wife and my children, my father and my mother, my mother-in-law. There are young adults that I'm working with through Appalachia Service Project. There is just love everywhere. Love is all around. And it's so abundant, I don't even know what to do with all of it. And yet sometimes I sit at home and think, man, it's really tough being unloved. It's all in the way you see it. And it can be even in the moment that you're seeing it. One moment, you're feeling sorry for yourself and suddenly nobody likes me. I'm going in the closet to eat some worms. You know, it's that bad. Everything is coming apart. And yet, my tragedy is to someone else just par for the course. It's what happens in everyday life. It's what happens. You see, we serve a God of abundance. God gave us plenty. It's when we got together and tried to decide who got the most of it. And it didn't usually come by a personal voluntary decision. Someone was bigger than the other person and forced them to give up their stuff or had more allies to make them give up their stuff. There is enough. This world is full of enough and we have more than enough technology to distribute it. And if you want to call it socialism, I don't care what you want to call it. We use that label to throw things away in our world, like the possibility that everybody could have a decent education and everybody could have a house and everyone could have clothes and everyone could not be hungry. And that makes God angry. That I gotta hoard more stuff while somebody else doesn't have enough. If you've ever wondered about the second greatest commandment Jesus talks about, to love your neighbor as yourself, that means that as long as your neighbor is hungry, you can't be satisfied with your life. As long as your neighbor is suffering, you can't be satisfied. And you ought to be suffering. You ought to feel it deep in your soul. How can it be that in a world of abundance, some people go hungry every day? How can there be food insecurity in a country that throws away 80 billion pounds of food a year? Well, I can tell you why. Selfishness. And if it makes you uncomfortable, good. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me writhe inside to think that I am concerned about the next Apple Watch. It's coming out. But it can't get it until the middle of November because they are running scarce of supplies. Buy it now. 
my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It doesn't even have any more features than the ones that came out last year. But it's the newest. It's the newest. That's just too bad I don't have enough. I have more than enough. I have an abundance. I have an abundance of friends and of love and food to eat, clothes to wear. I have so many clothes to wear that I can't wear all the clothes that I have. For some reason, when I had to buy St. James shirts, these black shirts you see me wear, you might think, boy, he's got one shirt, he wears it every week, poor boy, doesn't have anything. I have seven of these shirts. They look exactly the same. And these days, I only wear them one day a week. So every seven weeks, I wear a black shirt, and sometimes I can't remember which black shirt I wore last. So, I, oh my gosh, I don't know. I might be, this might be the one I wore last week. Isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible? This table for us is a place of abundance. It may just have a small loaf of bread on it. It's a generous sized loaf of bread and a cup with grape juice. And it may seem kind of small to feed us all. And yet it points to something larger. God just keeps pouring God's love on us abundantly and invites us to share what we have in ways that change the world so that no person is hungry. I mean, we do that on the West End. We have the West End Food Pantry to try to make sure our neighbors don't run out of food that they get to eat. But no one should go hungry anywhere in the world. No one should be without appropriate clothing anywhere in the world. No one should have to go without a safe place to live. No one should, but they do. You know, I often have heard it said, you know, why doesn't God do something about it? The question really is, why don't we do something about it? Because we are God's hands and feet in this world. Why don't we do something about it? Why don't we change the world? One person at a time. None of us in this room, or even those of you who are watching online, can feed everybody. But we can feed somebody. We can't clothe everybody, but we can clothe somebody. We can't house everybody, but we can help to house somebody. We live in a world of abundance that as long as we look through the eyes that see only what we can't have and our own scarcity, we'll never learn the message of God's love, which is, it is for you infinite. You are infinitely precious to God and unconditionally loved. And that you yourself are already the gift this world needs. Because God made you to be that. That's abundance. However many are here and how many are out there, God is a God of abundance, and this table is a table of abundance to which all of us are invited to share just a taste of the abundance of God. 
I encourage you this week to practice looking at the world through the eyes of abundance. Look at the abundance of colors as the leaves in our neighborhoods begin to change. Look at the abundances of, the abundance of colors of the skins of ourselves and our neighbors. No two of us are exactly the same tone. Look at the abundance of grass that keeps growing and has to be cut. We appreciate it when we come up to church and John has cut it and John has recently, so it looks really good. But there's an abundance of grass in the world. Look at the world through an eye of abundance. There's enough, more than enough for us all. God made it that way. It's we who decide who gets and who doesn't. Look through the eyes of abundance. One of the things that we do every week at St. James is to pray. A couple of, uh, uh, a couple of uh, prayer requests that we've received this morning and then a couple more. Uh, David is home again. Every time I talk to you, it's one week, uh, it's, it's kind of a, oh, last week, he, he was in the hospital for part of last week, went back to the hospital part of last week, but now he's back home again. So we are thankful he's back at home, that Donnie is caring for him the best that she can, and we are praying that a way forward continues for them as a couple, and that David will continue on the mend. Uh, we are continuing to pray for Sharon as she continues to heal. Uh, Bill is her caretaker. We're actually continuing to pray for Janet as she continues to heal. She's back on a, a, just a cane after surgery. Um, it may not feel like just a cane, but it is. Uh, um, her surgery went well. This morning, Gingy updated me on the birth of a baby among some of the uh, Afghan refugees we've been praying for as they sought, you know, uh, to get out of country. There was the birth of a baby. They still haven't decided on the name, you know, so we're not debating about which name it should be. Uh, but that's good news. One of the fellows that I care about, uh, her grandmother is in, uh, in hospice care and not doing so well. We know a, a lady named Mary who's fighting cancer, brain cancer, inoperable brain cancer. Uh, and yet as we look out in this world and these things concern us, and they do, they do, we know that we can turn to a God who loves us all infinitely, who is a God of abundance and who listens to us. Now at St. James, we usually begin in a moment of silent prayer, so you can lift up whatever's on your hearts and minds. Um, I pray out loud for us, and then we pray the Lord's Prayer. There will be a version of the Lord's Prayer on the screen behind me, on your screens at home. But you can pray any version you know, uh, in any language you know, and thank goodness God hears it, regardless. Let's enter into a moment of silent prayer together.
eternal God of abundance, infinite abundance, never-ending love for us and concern. We put our lives into your hands. Now, our lives are always in your hands, but we surrender our will to yours. We give ourselves over to you and trust in your care. For you are a good and loving God. And we experience you that way. You know, I think it's not an accident that in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus modeled for us, that you asked us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Not give us the next 10 weeks of supply, but give us today our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need today. We'll leave tomorrow to tomorrow. Your people in the desert, the Israelites, as they wandered for 40 years, found out about your abundance. You provided food daily, we're told in the biblical story. And those uh, who were getting the food were told, don't take more than you need for today. It'll spoil. There'll be more tomorrow. And they came to trust in your abundance, or at least they were invited to. But much like us, they were concerned there wasn't enough for them. Lord, as we come before you this day, living in the nation that's probably the nation of greatest abundance in our world, we recognize that we waste so much and we still think we don't have enough. And we come before you and ask us to help change our perception. Let us be transformed by the world in which we live. Seeing our neighbor in need, let that speak to our hearts in such powerful ways that we cannot help but reach out. Let us truly love our neighbor as we love ourselves, as extensions of ourselves, as part of who we are. Let us live from a place of abundance and share freely what we have, recognizing everything we already have is a gift from you. Not because we deserve it, but simply because it is. Lord, we give you thanks for your son, for the model he was for us, for the abundance with which you fed a crowd. The disciples perceived it as not enough. Your son saw more. Perhaps we as your current day disciples, when we don't see enough, will remember the example of your son Jesus who saw abundance everywhere he went. And we might live into that abundance. Thank you for each other. We pray for those who are recovering. We pray for David and for Sharon and for Janet. We pray for Mary. We pray for Gabby's grandmother. We pray for all those who are struggling and uncertain. 
We pray that we will be the people you want us to be. And we lift all of this to you in the precious and holy name of the Son who modeled it all for us. And we use the prayer that he modeled for us, saying, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Something else we do every week that we gather in this space, uh, and wherever you are, whether you're in this space or not, you are invited to share in this communion with us. If you are at home, we invite you to find something for yourself that represents bread and something that represents the cup to you. I have heard from people who told me that they bake special bread every Sunday morning. And some people who pull out a slice from the sliced bread that they already have, and either one is perfectly fine, and neither one is the only way you can do it. You find something that represents the body of Christ to you and something that represents the blood of Christ to you, and you've got it. It's all good. When I lift up the bread here, you lift up the bread at home. When I lift up the cup, you lift up the cup at home. Now, for those of you here and online, you are all welcome at this table and invited, but you're also welcome not to share in communion. And I mean that in the best possible way. I mean that if it's not in keeping with your faith or if in some way you doing it at home or you doing it here with us would in some way struggle, create a struggle within, within you, then don't, and that's okay. So you're welcome to, and you're welcome not to. At the same time that we serve communion, we receive our morning offering. You, if you're here in person, you can obviously put it in the plate if you wish. You can also text to give, give online. You can purchase food through the Amazon wish list for the West End Food Pantry. And there are a plethora of other ways of giving as well. This is a moment to reflect. Do you see your life as abundant? Or do you see your life as scarce? You don't have enough to go around. You don't have enough to share. You barely have enough for you. Is that how you see and treat your life? Um, what would happen if you looked at the world filled with abundance and saw it as a place filled with lots that you had enough? Uh, now I'm not saying make it up. If you're a person who doesn't have enough, uh, don't pretend like, uh, but so often many of us have more than enough and still think it's not enough. So let this be an opportunity to reflect on that. Last of all, if you're in the house with us, we serve communion um, only by bread for the time being because of the pandemic, which is to say, when you come forward, uh, I will not serve the cup. I will just be giving you the bread. When you come forward, I invite you to put your hands uh, cupped in front of you. I will place the bread in your hand. I'll say something like the body of Christ. I might say the body and blood of Christ because it represents that. Whatever I say, you can say amen or something back or not. Either way is fine. In the same night that Jesus was betrayed, abandoned, and denied by most of his disciples, um, he gathered with them around a table and they shared a meal. And while they were eating, he did something that to us seems kind of normal now. 
but 2,000 years ago probably seemed completely bizarre. He took bread from the table while they were eating and he gave thanks for it. He broke it and he gave it to them and he said, I want you to take and eat this. This, this is my body. It's broken for you. Do this as often as you will in remembrance of me. Also after supper, Jesus took the cup. When he'd given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and he said, I want you to drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It's shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so it is in remembrance of a God who already loves you, who loves you more than enough, and who invites you to share your more than enough with each other invites us to share our more than enough with each other. It's in remembrance of that that we come to this table asking that God would make this be for us his body and blood, that we would be for the world the body of Christ. Looking through eyes of abundance at a God who loves us more than we'll ever even know. But even when we fail to live that out, all of us redeemed by his blood and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.